You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What's going on, everyone? This is the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ty Daubert. We're coming at you with a brand new episode. Spring training is underway. Games coming up this Saturday. We have some some good stuff to talk about at a Phillies spring training camp. Uh, before we get into it, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Johnny Heller. Johnny, what's going on? What do you what do you think of spring training so far? It's been, you know, mildly entertaining uh, in terms of some news and, you know, rumors and stuff coming out. But it's just, I mean, think back to this time last year. We were still, what, 10 days away from the Harper signing? Yeah, a lot more uh, going it felt like a lot more going on. I think this is around when John Middleton flew out to Las Vegas himself and spent the night over there uh, and had that meeting with Harper that basically sealed the deal or, or just about did it. So, yeah, there, you're right. There's a lot more going on this time last season, last last year. Yeah, I think it was around this point that people were starting to get into panic mode a little bit. I don't remember how much sooner was Machado signed. Was he was he on the Padres at this point? Yeah, he he was before Harper. I knew he was before. I didn't remember how long. Before. It was probably like a week or so. So then maybe not. Maybe at this point he hadn't been signed yet. Because um, Harper was the... Wasn't he the 28th? Yeah, he was the last day of... The agreement came on February 28th. Yeah. Yeah, what a time that was. Yeah, a crazy, hectic offseason. Last offseason, spring training was already underway. I think they were playing. They were might, they were playing a game when it dropped. I think, and uh, yeah. I remember there were people that were relaying the news to Gabe Kapler as it happened, and NBC Sports Philly brought out Jim Salisbury to confirm it during the game. So it was definitely a very wild time. Uh, this spring training a little less wild, but still some some things to follow. Uh, some reports out of camp that we wanted to talk about ahead of the first spring training game. First thing we wanted to really get into was some things came out about Gene Segura. Uh, Scott Lauber tweeted yesterday. We're we're recording this on Tuesday, so on Monday this came out. Uh, I get a distinct sense, and not only because Gene Segura is taking infield drills at third base today, that Phillies strongly prefer Segura at third and Kingery at second, as long as Segura can do it. As Segura said this morning, we'll see. Um, So that was the report there from Scott Lauber of the Inquirer. Um, So yeah, the question is going to be where will Gene Segura play and how will that affect Scott Kingery and even Adam Hazley and some other people in the organization. So, uh, Johnny, I kind of wanted to get your take on that and where you think Segura will end up. Yeah, I mean, I think we've probably talked about it um, on an episode maybe a month or two ago. It seemed like it, it was, you know, Girardi, Joe Girardi never really committed to anything, but it, it did kind of feel like a lock that... Um, you know, Scott Kingery was going to play third and Gene Segura was going to play second because it just makes the transition so much smoother when Alec Bohm is eventually called up because you can just push uh, Scott Kingery to center field and um, Bohm, Bohm at third and leave Segura at second the whole season. And obviously also factoring into that is that Kingery has played a decent amount of third base during his two years in the majors. 
Segura has never played an inning of third base throughout like his minor and major league career. So, and his his best offensive season uh, in in Arizona in 2016, uh, he played second base. So he has plenty of experience there. So I was a little surprised to see that that report yesterday. Yeah, um, I I agree with you. It's kind of surprising. And just because I, I don't think it makes the most sense to play Segura at third, he'd probably be a little bit worse at it than Kingery is. Um, and just pigeonholing Kingery at second base is uh, something that I do not get. I don't I don't get it. And I, I think that his defensive versatility is very, very valuable. Any player that can play all over the place and do it well is a value to a team. So I just don't get the obsession. I know Kingery came up as a second baseman, but I, I still think that, especially with the Phillies fans, there seems to be an obsession with him needing to play second base. Uh, maybe it's because Buster only reported when he was coming up that an executive referred to him, or a scout or an executive referred to him, as Dustin Pedroia with more talent, and maybe uh, from there people thought they were getting their next great second baseman. But at this point, I don't think that's what he is, and I think you could get more out of him playing elsewhere and playing in more than one spot and being able to move all over the diamond. So that's just kind of what I think about it, and I think Segura would... You'd, you'd get more out of him being at second base, and Kingery, third base is probably his worst position but at the same time, it's not like he's horrible at it, and I think he's shown the ability to get better at positions the more comfortable he gets playing them. Yeah, and when you look at when Bohm eventually comes up, it's, you know, I think we felt that it's pretty much a given, um, barring, you know, injury or, you know, someone really underperforming, that Kingery's going to move into in center and, and Adam Hazley's going to move to the bench just because when you look at the three guys, Kingery, Hazley, and Segura, uh, it's pretty clear that Hazley is, um, you know, the worst hitter out of the three guys. And I think Kingery is at least on Hazley's level in center field. Um, obviously, we've talked about it before. Hazley is, he's like fine in center field. He made a couple high, highlight reel plays last year that I think led to fans maybe overrating him a little bit as a fielder. Uh, so anyways, and, and another thing, you know, yesterday, uh, Rob at the Realist Muto, a, a contributor at Phillies Nation, um, tweeted that, you know, Scott Kingery is probably super valuable to the Phillies, even as, as a everyday center fielder, because you look across the league and a lot of center, most center fielders can't hit. And Scott Kingery can play center field really well. And, um, the hit tool's there, so I think that him being in center field is 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 way more valuable to the Phillies than um, Adam Hazley being in center field. And so I guess go ahead. So to wrap it up, just you know, I think Kingery at third to start the season until Bone comes up is it's the most. It just seems like the obvious move, and I don't understand why they need to to do something else. Yeah, I'd agree. Another question is. Uh... Do what do you think Segura can even play third? Like he's never done it before. I don't know. How's his arm? Like I mean, his arm is probably getting worse as he gets older, but it's still like fine. Uh, I'd say it's around 
the same as Kingery's or maybe just a little bit better. It's not awful, but definitely not great for third base or anything. Yeah, and I saw yesterday, too, I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something about, um, you know, he was asked whether he preferred to play second or third, and he he mentioned something about, uh, you know, you have to charge balls more at third, so he, he might prefer second because of that. But he also he was also basically said wherever the team puts him he'll be happy and that you know he he's a shortstop but he is okay moving around, but I do think I just think it makes sense to put him at second he he's played second a lot before, and Kingery's played third so I don't know why you have to mess around with with you know swapping that out obviously Kingery's played second too but yeah it's know. what it is is it's this mentality that Scott Kingery needs to play second base when. He's shown that he doesn't need to. He had yeah. He had a good offensive year last year playing almost no second base, playing center field, third base, and even some shortstop when when Segura was out. I know he probably played a few games at second base, but he played almost almost all his games elsewhere and he had a fine offensive year. Not not great, but definitely a huge improvement over two thousand eighteen. And I, I, it's just unnecessary to force him to play second when yeah, and, it doesn't need to happen. And just like in general, I think the Phillies have really increased Scott Kingery's value by making him this player that can play multiple positions. Um, you know, I think like Scott Kingery is a he's a good player, but if he's just a second baseman, it, it's not the same. They've turned him into a Ben Zobris type, which is really really valuable in today's. Uh, MLB, and I think that just kind of abandoning that because, you know, he played second in the minors would be pretty stupid. Yeah, and I I think that this vision of making him that kind of player, I think that is something that the Phillies front office has definitely, they've nailed that one uh, for all the things that they have missed over the last however many years they've been there. Uh, That's something that they've definitely nailed. And I think that the front office and Gabe Kapler were really in on that idea of Kingery being able to play all over the place. I mean, they signed him to the major leagues when they didn't have to, and he didn't have a position because they had a second baseman, and they were all in on him playing that super utility role. And Joe Girardi is a very respected manager. Uh, He's shown that he can win in the past, but I think him coming in and deciding that Kingery needs to play just one position would take a lot of value away from what they have in Scott Kingery and could ultimately kind of be a detriment to what that player is is worth and, uh, you know, what he can provide for the team. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, I guess, do you want to move on and talk a little bit about Segura yesterday? Uh, coming in for down 14 pounds. Yeah, uh, definitely. So as every player ever has been, Segura is in the best shape of his life here in spring training. I think you hear that a lot each spring, but you know, apparently that kind of holds true for Segura. He apparently gave up drinking. So now he's down 14 pounds, like you said, and like every spring training player, best shape of his life. Yeah. And you know, I I know a lot of times guys come in best shape of their life and, and, you know, people predict, oh, they're going to bounce back or whatever. And then oftentimes it doesn't happen. But I think I am in on a, a Gene Segura bounce back year. 
you look at uh, last season, one thing he mentioned yesterday, uh, which you don't know really how much of a factor this really was, but after you know his base running gaffe led to the Andrew McCutcheon ACL tear on on the bases, um, he he said after the the fan and media reaction blaming him uh, in part, he you know felt a little discouraged and he and he felt down and and the splits before and after do show that he. he his OPS was like 60 or 70 points lower for the rest of the season. And again, who knows how much that really has to do with it. But another thing is his batting average on balls in play last year was way lower than it's been since he broke out in 2016. Um, it was 302 last year after it was 327, 339, and 353 the previous three years. Um, so that's just something, you know, maybe some bad luck played into it last year. Um, and I, I just think he's the kind of player that can bounce back. Um, at least a little bit. He's not. He he was pretty close to what he usually is last year, but like I think he, he can be a little bit better for the Phillies this year. The Phillies are just kind of the kings of getting a player and then having him have bad Babbitt luck. You know, they yeah. signed Carlos Santana to a big contract. He comes in and has no batted ball luck, especially in April. They're forced to well, not forced, but they decide to trade him for Gene Segura, and then Gene Segura, like you said, has bad luck with balls in play. So uh, I think that the team is probably hoping that some of that luck will, will you know, turn to the other side and they'll, they'll get some luck out of their players. Uh, I think that kind of was the theme of last year, not just with Segura, but the whole team. Uh, they seemed pretty unlucky. A lot of things went wrong last season, so... If they can just get a few things to go right for them, I think things could be very different. They're going to need some things to to go their way if they want to win the division or even make the playoffs. But as long as things don't go as horribly as they often did last year, I think it's pretty safe to say that they will have their first winning record since 2011. Yeah, I I agree with that. They're I mean, they won 81 games last year and they're way, they're a better team now, and you know if a couple of guys improve, too, it's it's pretty easy to see that they'll they'll have a winning record. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing we wanted to talk about. We'll move on here. JT Real Muto's arbitration hearing will take place on Wednesday. You're probably listening to this on Wednesday. We're recording on Tuesday, like I said earlier. Uh, but Real Muto's arbitration it'll be settled um on wednesday in arizona uh per jim salisbury of nbc sports philly so what do you how do you think this is going to end up uh and kind of tell everybody about what the possibilities are with this yeah so i mean the the two numbers are 10 million and 12.4 million dollars so real muto and his agent are um arguing that he deserves to make $12.4 million this year. Phillies are arguing that, you know, he deserves to make $10 million this year. Uh, so it's really just, um, you know, the arbitrator decides who, you know, they, you know, they make their cases and the arbitrator decides, and that's that. Uh, it does actually have some ramifications in terms of the, of the payroll because the Phillies are super close to the luxury tax, um, probably only 3 or $4 million out. So if Real Muto wins, then that 
uh, number becomes you know two point four million dollars smaller. So it is it is significant, but I think anything that's been said about this uh, potentially causing friction between Rio Muto and the team and all that is that's just not true. Um, Rio Muto himself has said that uh, this is just part of the business and he doesn't really take it personally. And he's also ex- expressed that he's wants to be here long term or be in Philly long term, and that'll probably sign an extension. Um, and that's we've been hearing that since the middle of last season, and it's we've been hearing it as of you know a couple days ago still. So I think you know Phillies fans should have nothing to worry to be worried about in that sense. Yeah, um, I, I just think that an extension is almost definitely going to happen. Um, the arbitration case, though, oftentimes it the arbitration process is not particularly kind to catchers and Real Muto has acknowledged that and said he's kind of he he wants to go in and win to kind of raise the bar for catchers in general. I just am not sure if that's going to happen. The Phillies definitely hope that he loses the case and they win because like you said it will definitely help with the luxury tax and staying under and all that. Um, Hector Neris's case, according to Jim Salisbury, is on Friday, so that'll be one to watch as well. Uh, just another another thing to watch with the luxury tax. But I'm gonna say for Real Muto, at least I think I don't think he'll win it. Uh, but it's not like I would be shocked if he did because he was obviously excellent last year. But I think I read somewhere that the stat cast data cannot be used in these hearings, so maybe that could be held against Real Muto a little bit because obviously um, some of the stat cast data shows how really amazing he was behind the plate last season. So who really knows? I'm going to guess that he loses, but I guess we'll see on Wednesday. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, we're, we're close to wrapping this episode up, but before we do, while we're on the topic of real muto's extension um who on the team now do you see as you know someone the philly should try and maybe start exploring signing an extension with you know maybe during the season or right after the season depending on the performance or or are there there any players that you think fit that um that's kind of that's a tough one because i don't think howard or Boom. I, I just don't think uh, an extension like Kingery signed would make sense for them, uh, especially Boom. I think he would want to kind of get up and maybe get ready to hit free agency as soon as he could. Um, so give me a minute to think. Why don't you go first if you have someone in mind? Um, I mean, someone that people were talking about a lot last year was Reese Hoskins. Um, I don't that's probably not likely for a couple reasons. You know, he is coming off the worst season of his career, so he's not going to want to sign a, a an extension when his, his value is his low. Um, and so I don't know. I, I don't know if that would make sense for him. Um, and uh, would that make sense for the Phillies, too, because he was one of the worst players in baseball the second half last year. So, you know, maybe we're talking about that more if he was – uh, the Reese Hoskins were used to for all of last season, but I, I don't know. I don't know if that's likely. I don't. I don't know if any of 
you know, Eflin or Velasquez are definitely, I, I would say none of those guys have really shown consistency enough to the point that the, the Phillies would be willing to take that risk in an extension. Um, maybe like a, a Hector Neris extension. Yeah, is that's what I was going to say. Maybe they extend Neris or maybe even Alvarez just to a, a short one. But I think Neris would feel a little more likely. Yeah, I agree with that. But other than that, nobody sticks out as super obvious to no. me. No, no one's like... Other unless, than Romito, of course. You know, it's the middle of the season. Jake Arrieta has a 2.34 ERA. Maybe they just uh, throw him that extension. I, I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt any of that happens. Um, I don't know, man. Co- contract year area, so. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Do you have anything else that you want to talk about real quick before we end this? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, spring training. Let's go. Yeah, games on Saturday. Johnny, when are you going to spring training? I'll be there starting two weeks from yesterday. So the what the second I think is the first first day i'm gonna be there the second of march all right so we'll have to in a couple weeks we will talk to johnny about his experiences down in clearwater but before that before next week that's really all we have for right now we'll talk about real mito's arbitration hearing next week once we get final word but other than that i'd say that's about it thank you guys for listening we'll talk to you next week You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.